0: We can exist experiencing adversity and experiencing the joy of life, and we can hold those things in balance, we can hold those things in tension, and we can support ourselves into a a better place.
1: Welcome to Psalms for the Spirit, a podcast about spirituality and resilience through the lens of the biblical Psalms. I'm Kieran Young-Wimberly, a Presbyterian minister and spiritual director from the U.S., but living on the north coast of Ireland. I've been working closely with the psalms for over a decade now, arranging, recording, performing psalms set to Celtic melodies, along with my dear friends, the McGrath family from Dungannon, County Tyrone. And through the years, I've heard again and again how the psalms help people through times of trouble, through times when the mountains seem to be falling into the sea, times when the world is in upheaval, either on a personal level or on a collective level. In this podcast, I'm inviting friends and respected teachers to explore with me how the Psalms lift our spirits in difficult times, how they lead us toward healing and hope, and about the connection between spirituality and resilience. Today's guest is Sarah Cook, a social worker who's worked in conflict response, peace building, and mediation in Northern Ireland and internationally for the past two decades. Sarah and I are both Americans living in Northern Ireland and have become friends through being members of the Corey Meadley community. Just before COVID in 2020, I had the good fortune of taking a training from her in the community resiliency model through the Trauma Resource Institute and it had a huge impact on me as I entered, along with the rest of the world, into the collective trauma of coronavirus. The training was so transformative for me that a few years later, I became trained and now I weave those resilience tools into my spirituality work all the time. And I wanted to let you know that next year, Sarah will be a guest facilitator on the Resilient Spirit Pilgrimage to Ireland in April 2024, along with Paul Hutchinson from episode 11 and the virtual Padre Gotuma. I'll share more about that opportunity on the break. In this conversation, which first aired in 2021, I wanted to mine Sarah's wealth of knowledge on how we, as human beings, can come through difficult experiences. So whatever it is that brought you here, I'm glad you're with us. zillion so well in your training. And I would love for people who are listening to be able to hear you explain that, because I think it will give us a better context to understand what we're talking about with resilience.
0: I'm happy to do that. I think resilience is a word we're hearing more and more of. So in a sense, um, you know, for some people it's almost losing its meaning because we're hearing all over the place in a lot of different contexts. But I think from the standpoint of the idea of resilience as being something that um, we can have in our lives as we move through difficult periods, a definite that I like to use and that I've adapted from um, one that Elaine Miller-Karis has created is the ability to live fully in the present moment using our internal resources and skills to thrive in the face of the challenges of daily life. And I like it because it's simple, but it highlights a couple of different things that I think can be very practically important as we try to think about getting through and maybe overcoming difficult periods. And that is that life is challenging. So there's no question about that. Whether we're in the middle of a global pandemic or whether we're in the middle of life as it usually is, we are always going to be experiencing challenges. And the question about that is how we face into those or how we we cope with them. And so this definition, I think, gives us a couple of hints about how we can do that. One is being present or fully present in the moment. So when we think about kind of our thought processes and patterns throughout the day, even on a good day, a normal day, a huge amount of it is thinking back to the past. So, you know, did I say that correctly? Should I have said something different? I wonder how that person took what I said. Or thinking ahead even very practically to the future. Okay, what are we gonna have for dinner? Can I finish up this piece of work? If you have children, what do the kids need to get done today? And you're constantly thinking, you know, in the past or in the future. And now that we have smartphones and kind of rise of the internet, So much of our time that we maybe would have spent even subconsciously checking in with ourselves to see how we were doing is now spent scrolling. So, you know, you and I both live in Northern Ireland and pre-pandemic, there was a whole lot of public transportation that many of us were waiting on, waiting on a bus, sitting on a train. And I remember, you know, 20 years ago when I moved to Northern Ireland, I would spend a lot of that time staring out the window. So, you know, I might have a book with me, but at least some of a journey I'd be looking out of the fields and subconsciously checking in with myself. And I might notice, Ooh, you know, I have quite a tense neck. I wonder what that's saying. Am I stressed? Or I might be sitting there going, Actually feel really good right now. This is what's happening in my life that's causing me to feel this way. So there are all these opportunities for us to maybe be a little more present to ourselves or in the moment. And now we have phones. Most of us are, you know, scrolling up and down or back and forth, and it takes away a little bit of that time. So I think we need to be more intentional about checking in. And what we're finding through science is particularly a lot of really interesting new neuroscience is that when we take that time for ourselves, just right in the present moment, it can really increase our our well being and our our sense of resilience. So not only do we sometimes check in with ourselves and realize, Hey, I am actually doing really well here. We can also feel in our body that we're doing well. So we can check in with ourselves to go, ah, do you know, my chest feels quite warm or my shoulders are nice and relaxed or, Oh, I'm having this lovely, you know, steady breathing. And that's our body letting us know we're in a great place. So there's all of this richness in the present moment that exists in our bodies and in our minds that we just don't tap into as much anymore. So if we can find a little ways to carve out even a minute and a half it doesn't have to be a long time we can really enhance our resilience by giving ourselves that that space in the present moment I think that the other part of that definition that I really like is using our internal resources and skills because it's about that balance that we were talking about earlier that balance that allows us to kind of recognize all of the good things in our lives and use that to come into a place of resilience so recognizing the people that bring us strength or joy, the things that we've done in our lives that have given us that um, embodied sense that we can accomplish something important and good, the places that we can go, whether that's by the beach or in the woods or, you know, the physical places we can be that bring us a sense of calm. There's all kinds of things in our lives that are really good that we almost don't notice as we move through our daily experience. And when we can draw on those things, and we can really use them to increase our resilience, we find that life is different and it's easier to cope with things. So I love this definition of resilience because it touches on those things, being in the present moment, recognizing that we have these good things in our lives and knowing how to draw on them, and also recognizing that life is hard and that's just part of the equation, but that we have some choice about how we engage with that.
1: connect in with ourselves in the present moment, we're calling up resources. And that's a word that really stood out to me in the training and the idea that spirituality can be a resource too. Can you can you get into that a little bit more? Sure.
0: So in the context of the community resiliency model, which is the training that you experienced, um, there are six well being or six resilient skills, and one of them is resourcing. So resourcing is really thinking about and drawing on those things that are good in our lives and bring us, you know, a sense of joy, a sense of strength, a sense of peace or contentment. And you know, the, more than just going to a happy place it's thinking about those things and making space to pause and think about those things during our day but then also to feel the benefit of that in the body so what we're finding and you know i suppose in the context of of spirituality and faith it's a really potent idea what we're finding is our bodies are designed to actually help us recover from difficult times. So they're designed to help us recover from trauma or from stress, that our nervous system has a natural balancing effect where, you know, we may be in kind of a survival mode if we're really stressed or finding things difficult. So we may be kind of inadvertently moving into fight, flight, or freeze, you know, so a racing heart, tight muscles, quick breath, you know, other maybe signs of discomfort in our bodies, uh, stress hormones coursing through our system, letting us know our body is looking after us. It's designed to look after us. And then very naturally, our body brings us back into balance. Or into a calm state after we've experienced something difficult that's passed. One of my friends lost her daughter temporarily in a big crowded fair, a big crowded festival in Northern Ireland. And she describes how her body went straight into fight or flight as she looked for her daughter. And then as soon as she saw her daughter in the crowd and found her, her body kind of kicked in and calmed her right down. And that's that's a natural ebb and flow of our systems. It's the way that God's designed us to be. But when we're experiencing a lot of stress or very, very difficult experiences, can be hard to bring ourselves back into balance. And so what we've discovered through, again, this really interesting new research with neuroscience, Is that there are things we can really simply do, any of us, to bring our bodies back into balance? And so the training that you and I experienced together was about how to bring the bodies back into balance. So it's not about mind over matter, which is what a lot of us have heard growing up. You know, if you're experiencing something difficult, just put on a brave face and get through it. It's about actually supporting ourselves and our bodies to come back into that balance. So resourcing is brilliant because when we think about things that bring us a sense of joy or calm or contentment, it can actually Help our bodies know that we're safe. So it helps our bodies kind of be able to shut down that survival response and come into that place of rest to know actually we're safe. So if if our bodies feel safe, that feedback loop that happens naturally is that they begin to act safe. You know, so the the they'll calm down that response. So when we think about things that are valuable to us and important in our lives, it's more than going to a happy place or just putting on a brave face. It's actually allowing us to notice then what happens to the body and deepening that sense of of balance, that sense of maybe restoration, because as we notice that, our body experiences even greater levels of calm. you an example. Um, One of the resources I really draw upon is a memory of um, going for a walk with our kids when they were really young. Um, So my husband, Mark, and I tend to be quite sedentary creatures. We love to sit down and read books and have cups of coffee and sit by the fire. And when we had kids, we thought, okay, we need to actually make an effort to get out into nature And so every weekend we have some sort of family adventure by the sea or in the woods. And my memory of our first experience of that is really strong. So I remember what it felt like to have my daughter, who was just an infant at that time, on my chest in the sling. I remember holding my son's hand. I remember feeling the sun on my shoulders, the smell of the green forest around me. Um, and just what a lovely time of contentment and joy that was. So, as I think about that, if I really stop to, to linger on that memory, I notice that I may take a deep breath. Um, I may find that my heart rate slows down. I often get a lovely feeling of warmth in my chest or in my tummy. Um, You know, I just feel really good in my body. And that helps me come into a place of calm. So sometimes I use that if I'm about to deliver a big speech or a big, you know, workshop or training or, you know, something that I know I'll enjoy, but, you know, the start of it can feel a bit rocky. If I take even just 30 or 40 seconds to think about that family memory and then to feel my body calm down, I can go into this experience that might be slightly nerve-wracking with a calmer body and a calmer system and I I love how God has designed us to um, to be able to bring ourselves into you know a a more peaceful state Um, and resourcing for many of us is just a really practical way of doing that should also say we can have resources that are very different to give us different things so sometimes we want to feel calm but sometimes we might want to feel empowered or energized and you know memories of something you've accomplished or something that you've done can be a way to do that so you can use resources that are external so things like memories or people or places things that are close to you but not of you you can use resources that are internal so things you've accomplished things about yourself that bring you joy or you can use um, imagined resources so that perfect beach somewhere that you want to be on <laughs> instead of in the middle of a stressful day, or um, even things that you want to accomplish. I was working with a group of refugee and asylum seeker women, and one of them had the most radiant smile on her face as she was doing a resourcing activity. And when she was done, we all said, Would you mind telling us what you were thinking of? Because you just looked infused with joy. And she said, You know, I've always wanted to be a nurse, and I put aside my nursing training, of course, when I fled my country of origin and I came to Northern Ireland. And she said, I kind of thought that dream had to die because of my circumstances. But she said, I just got this beautiful vision of myself in my nurse's uniform making the rounds. And she said, That's just brought me so much joy. And it's kind of reignited this dream. And the cool thing about that, Kieran, is I ran into her before Christmas and she got into nursing school. Oh, oh, wow. So that was a year and a half ago that she had that experience of this imagined resource that brought her all this joy. And, you know, 18 months later, she's taken a step to fulfilling that mm. dream. So resources can do all. All kinds of things for us in a, a way that's very simple and, and very easy to access
1: yeah and that last one is tapping into hope that there is hope that there's something to to work toward and a dream to maybe become realized
2: oh
0: So one of the key concepts of the community resiliency model um, is this idea of the resilient zone. So you can call it anything that you want, but the resilient zone as an idea is where this kind of space in ourselves, where we're in control, where we're handling life, where we're kind of living out of our best selves, you know, where our mind, our body, our spirits are in a pretty good place. And being in the resilient zone doesn't mean that you're feeling happy all the time. You can be sad or disappointed or angry and still being in your resilient zone. The key is you're able to really control your emotions instead of your emotions controlling you. And you're really acting out of your best self. So you can be joyful, you can be disappointed, you can, and, and both of those things can still be held within your resilient zone. But we know that life isn't always like that, and we do get out of control. And what often happens for many of us is we um, have different experiences or events that, that bump us out of our zone or move us out of that resilient zone. They can be very difficult things, you know, the loss of a loved one or of a job. For many of us, it was COVID-19 over time. That definitely caused us to move out of our zone. Or it can be something very minor and daily, but that really causes us to lose control. So I'm a, <laughs> I've struggled over the years with being a road rager. You know, I can be driving along very content and somebody pulls out in front of me and I've suddenly lost, lost it completely. And I'm shouting. So that's an example of you know those daily things that really kick us out of our zone. But when we're out of our resilient zone, we either move into a high zone or a low zone. So the high zone is when we are angry or irritable. You know, we can feel quite anxious sometimes when we're in the high zone, it's usually when we have outbursts and maybe shout at coworkers or friends or Loved ones. Whereas the low zone is when we might feel sad or depressed, we might feel quite numb or even lacking in energy to do what we normally do. And sometimes it's when we feel disconnected, so we may find that we don't want to connect to the things we normally love to do or the people that we would normally love to see. We just kind of isolate ourselves. So both of those things are part of the human condition. You know, we're not always going to be in our resilient zone, but um, Mm -hmm. it isn't nice to be out of it either. And it's certainly not nice to get stuck in either the high zone or the low zone. So what we can do with resiliency and with resiliency skills is we can actually understand or or be able to tell when we're out of our zone and then to move ourselves back into it, which is a really helpful thing, I think, um, for many of us to experience. And I think the thing about being in our zone is when we're living or experiencing being in our resilient zone, other people around us notice that as well. You know, so when we're in our resilient zone, we can really be our best selves and we can be in that place of resilience that ends up impacting positively on the people around us. So I'll give you a little example. I uh, we had a kind of a hectic morning getting started in our household today, but we've been doing something called greet the day during lockdown where we all gather at nine o'clock and we um, may have a little meditation or a little prayer. Sometimes we do a breathing exercise or a resilience exercise together, but we always talk about one thing we hope for out of the day ahead and one thing we're grateful for. And what I said today is that I'm really grateful for this opportunity for you and I to have this conversation, that during lockdown, we don't always get to experience new things and say yes to new things. And so it was a real pleasure for me to be able to say yes to this and to have a a new experience, but also that I was so pleased for you that that you're doing this podcast and so pleased for the people that will benefit from it. And it was really interesting because in that moment of gratitude, I could feel myself moving back into my resilient zone and, you know, from my stressful morning. And I thought, you know, we're going to have a much better conversation because I'm not going to be coming at it from the high zone where I'm, you know, stressed out and slightly preoccupied about the craziness of the morning, but I'll be coming to the conversation from my resilient zone. Cause I had that, moment of gratitude and you know excitement about what we were going to do together today. So it's a very practical thing that I think has certainly changed my experience of life and my husband's and my kids because I think the more often we're all in our resilient zone the better we are to be you know with each other and the better you know the better we are to be with anyone, you know people sense that from us when we're in a place of resilience. So it's a really simple concept but it's one that has certainly been a useful tool for me and I know for a lot of others and kids get it as well so my my two kids will say very subtly you know mommy i think you may be out of your zone <laughs> can you calm down or go go and do something that'll help calm you down or vice versa they'll say mommy i think i'm out of my zone and i think i need some help here so it's really useful language i think for for people to be able to have you know in a useful mental framework
1: to Psalms for the Spirit, a podcast about spirituality and resilience through the lens of the Biblical Psalms. Today I want to highlight a really wonderful opportunity coming up in April 2024, the Resilient Spirit Pilgrimage to Ireland. Consider taking 11 days to come to Ireland to explore what brings us joy, strength, hope, and resilience. We'll begin with six days at the beautiful Corimila Residential Centre in Ballycastle, on the North Coast, which alone will take your breath away. But on top of that, we have a program throughout our stay that's geared toward helping you find resilience within yourself and to develop practices and wisdom that you can take back home with you. Resilience expert, Sarah Cook, will be our first guest facilitator, followed by the brilliant reflective practitioner, Paul Hutchinson from episode 11. I'll be leading retreat day with music from Celtic Psalms and lots of space for silence and quiet and reflection. And at the end of our time there, we'll have a Zoom session with the one and only poet theologian, poetry unbound creator, former leader of the Corimila community and current member of the community, Padraig Ochuma. Following that wonderful retreat at Corimila, participants will then head a few hours south to the stunning hills and the ancient monastery of Glendalough, where we'll spend a few days connecting with the beauty of nature and the wisdom of Celtic spirituality, before spending a day exploring the vibrant city of Dublin. This is going to be a transformative, uplifting, joyful and inspiring experience. Come join us on this Resilient Spirit Pilgrimage to Ireland in April 2024. If you're interested in finding out more, there's a link in episode notes, or you can look on my website, KieranYoungwimberly.com. Thanks for listening to Psalms for the Spirit, and once again, I'm so glad you're with us. My
3: Lord and my God, I'll give thanks ever.
0: it's been a pure joy for me to be able to share some of these resilience tools and to share a little bit of uh, psychoeducation around trauma and stress and how we experience it in the body because i think so many of us when we're going through very difficult times you know the way we're responding to it we feel a little crazy and feel like oh i'm not coping with this very well but actually you know when you know a little bit about adversity and trauma and how we experience it as humans you realize It's very normal to be affected, you know, mentally and physically and relationally and spiritually when you experience difficult things. And so being able to kind of reassure. People in different parts of the world that it is very normal for us to respond when we experience something difficult. It has been lovely because it's it's I think reassured a lot of people. But even more, it's been a real pleasure to be able to bring very simple resiliency tools and skills and ideas to people because um, you know, many people around the world and in different cultures have experienced very difficult things, things people shouldn't ever have to experience. And so um, it's just been a very humanizing and joyful experience for me to be able to just share some ideas that that can help people support themselves, but their communities and their families as well, when people have experienced collective adversity like COVID-19, or in some cases, civil war or conflict within societies. I think the thing that has struck me so much as I've watched people engage with some of these ideas and tools is that people have such richness in their own cultures that allow them to cope with some of these things so i remember doing a grounding activity with a woman who was from a particular region in Africa. And she had her feet on the ground and her head tilted back as she was sitting in her chair doing it. And when she finished, she kind of opened her eyes and she brought her head forward really quickly and had the most beautiful smile. And I said, wow, you know, it looks like that was really helpful for you. I'd love to hear about it if you're happy to share. And she said, well, yeah, she said in our country, we welcome the birth of babies by sitting on the ground and connecting to the earth. And we, we recognize people's deaths and we you know, have our own funeral rituals by sitting on the earth. So to me, um, the earth is about life and death and about what it means to be human and who we are as humans and in community. And she said, that was so meaningful. And she said, when I was doing it, she said, I could see my future in front of me and it was worth fighting for. And this is a woman who's experienced you know, quite a lot of adversity in her life. And it was just so powerful to see that a very simple exercise for her connected her to these rituals in her community, connected her to memories from the country of her origin, and gave her this sense that even though she's now in a new country seeking asylum seeker status, that she... You know, that she can see a future and can see a hope and, you know, that it's worth fighting for. So there's little moments like that that people have brought their own cultural experiences that are very different from mine to the table. And, you know, I I find so much meaning in that and find so much meaning in, I suppose, being able to connect even across different languages. So a fair amount of the training that I've delivered for folks has been in other languages. So we've been using translators either online or in person. And it's wonderful to see that people can really connect to each other across languages. I have some really meaningful memories of working with groups in Turkey and in Lebanon in person before the pandemic. And many of those groups contained people who were Syrian refugees who'd resettled in both (laughs) areas. And just the lovely, you know, kind of humor that we could share and the relationships that we could develop over the course of several days, even though sometimes we weren't working in the same language. These are sort of personal things, but I've really enjoyed the richness that I've experienced from being able to work with people in different cultures and to learn from how they deal with adversity and resilience within their own cultural paradigms and experiences.
1: Wow, that that's amazing to hear. And what a gift you've been able to offer them. I'm sure it's been such a, a rich learning experience for all of you.
3: The Lord's my share to scream.
1: So how can spirituality act as a resource, do you think? I know that it was mentioned as one one of the resources, and my mind started turning about what that would mean. What do you think about that?
0: I think spirituality and faith are massive resources to people in many parts of the world all over. One of my real joys this year has been working with um, different people to support resiliency during COVID-19. And so I've worked with a lot of communities in the global South, as well as uh, refugees and asylum seekers who've come to Northern Ireland, the South of Ireland, or the wider UK. And it's wonderful to hear people of different faiths, talk about what faith brings to them. And I think that's been really lovely to hear people talk about their very disparate faiths with the same kind of personal benefit. You know, so many people find that faith grounds them, faith brings them those immediate senses uh, of joy or contentment as they engage with God or as they engage with other people in their faith community so for many many people that sense in their in both their body and their spirit of what they get when they're worshiping when they're reading scripture when they're praying brings that kind of immediate sense of contentment or that immediate sense of well-being but also a, a much more expansive sense of contentment or well-being you know people's faith can be experienced in the moment and then the knowledge that it's there in their lives is something that's much more kind of ongoing and long-lasting and so for many people around the world they would describe their relationship with God or their practice of their faith or the practice of their spirituality um, as something that they can draw on as a resource over and over again.
1: with the Psalms. Is that something that you
0: grew up in? I think I remember you saying that your father was a minister. Is that right? Yeah, so you're absolutely right. My father's a pastor, um, and so I would have engaged with the Psalms and and with the scriptures um, really from a very, very young age, and so they were always very familiar to me. But my first kind of specific memory of the Psalms was learning one of the Psalms in our Sunday school class. We had a wonderful Sunday school teacher called Wanda Boggs. And she was very patient with us as we all started to learn scripture for the first time. And I remember just really finding that to be something that I drew upon as a a child. I suppose the excitement of knowing that I could memorize a fairly decent chunk of the Bible and could draw on it when I needed it. So the Psalms have always been a part of my upbringing. And my mom and my aunt are both marvelous singers. So they would have been singing at church and in concerts. And quite a lot of their music was based on the Psalms or other scriptures or a, you know, traditional choral arrangement that you'd hear in churches. Mm. And so I, I think I really understood that connection right from the start that we can sing the scriptures, we can read the scriptures, we can gather strength from the scriptures in different ways. And so that would have been a big part of my upbringing.
1: What about recently? Is there anything that has come up for you since the
0: pandemic started? If I can be completely honest, the first time that I picked up the psalms since the pandemic started was preparing for our conversation. <laughs> I remember reading something before I had children and it was a bit of research that said that when people have children, their faith often plateaus. So at that particular age and stage in our lives, you know, your faith might be on the increase and then you have kids and it plateaus and then it eventually Mm -hmm. goes up again. And I remember thinking, well, that seems counterintuitive because wouldn't you want to be stronger in your faith so you can share it with your children or so you can survive parenting? Then once I was a parent, I kind of understood that, you know, that you're exhausted. So Mm -hmm. for those of us that engage with the scripture or with meditation and prayer, you know, you're usually either doing it early in the morning or before bed. Mm -hmm. And when you have children, all of that gets scrambled, you know, your schedule and your time to yourself. So I am certainly one of those people who hasn't engaged as much with scripture or with prayer meditation, if I'm being brutally Mm -hmm. honest, Mm -hmm. since I had children. Now my kids have birthdays this week. One turned nine yesterday and one's uh, Mm turning seven tomorrow. Happy birthday. So we're getting to that stage now where they're, you know, they're starting to maybe begin to sleep a little more like older children and, you know, I'm getting a little a bit more time to myself. So once the pandemic <laughs> finishes, all that to say, you know, my, the traditional ways that people engage with their faith, whether that's Christianity or another faith expression, you know, have been harder for me over the last couple of years. And so it was really refreshing actually to sit down this week with the Psalms and to do a little reflection in preparation for our conversation. I was actually thinking this is something that I need to draw on more because there is so much comfort there. And for those of us who grew up with the Psalms, there's so much familiarity it felt like a warm blanket you know as I started to read again this week I thought oh I feel like I'm pulling on this lovely familiar jumper or you know cozy up in my favorite blanket
1: with the voices of your mom and your aunt did you say like ingrained in you in in a way that you don't even realize until you sit down and you open it up and then the words come back to you
0: absolutely I think it's like learning a language you know so I learned this Spanish in high school and college, and then went to try to learn French. And I would find all these obscure Spanish words popping up in my head, but I didn't even realize I remembered, you know, as I tried to learn French, the Spanish would come back to me. And I think it's very, very much like that with the Psalms. You know, you do, you find someone singing or saying a Psalm and it pulls you straight back to all of these memories Mm -hmm. throughout your life.
1: And when you were going over them this past week, was there anything that jumped out
0: at you? Well, it's interesting. The thing that really um, struck me, I suppose, is part due to our conversation today around resiliency is I think what really came home to me as I was rereading the Psalms is that kind of balance between joy and pain, you know, or that balance between celebration and an acknowledgement of difficulty. So, you know, even in Psalm 139, it's this beautiful description of how God knows us Intimately and cares about the nuances of who we are and, and, and what we do in the world and then you know this beautiful praise of God and then it moves very quickly into this conversation about striking down enemies and the brutality of the world and how people can treat each other badly and the, you know there's this pain there. You know, I think that really struck me that, that the psalms are about holding those things in tension. So they're about holding the, the goodness of life and the difficulty of life in the same place in the same space. Thank you. framework that I use when I enter into conversations about trauma and resilience is the community resiliency model, which is a training that I received three years ago. And and that I teach now and the founder of that methodology, Elaine miller karras often challenges people to think about or to ask themselves, what else is true? So it's about acknowledging that trauma and difficulty is true for us. So we don't want to pretend it's not there. It's not about glossing over it and, and getting on with things and trying to imagine that that's not part of our life. So we acknowledge mm. the trauma to be true, but it's saying, well, what else is true? you know. So we may experience trauma or difficulty or stressful periods, but we also have family that we love, friends that we love. We have abilities that we enjoy being able to possess, things we love to do, places we love to be that bring us comfort. All of these different things in our lives that are also true in addition to the trauma. And I think when we've experienced something really difficult, it's easy for that to take up our whole field of vision. So reminding ourselves that of course, we that's true, but so, so are a whole lot of other things. And we can hold those things in tension. We can balance them out. And I really, I feel that. And I see that in the Psalms, that kind of acknowledgement that life is beautiful. It's full of all kinds of goodness, all kinds of things that bring us strength and joy and contentment. And it's full of the difficult human relationships and the things that happen to us that no one should have to experience. And I love how it moves back and forth. So when I, when I read the Psalms as a younger person, I remember being confused by that, moving from praising God and recognizing, all this, these beautiful things in life to strike down my enemies sort of thing. And I thought, whoa, that's that's quick. That's a quick transition. And now that I've lived a little longer, you know, I understand that to be how life is. You know, we celebrate our children and we shout at them because we're in the middle of a pandemic and we've all been living under the same roof for almost <laughs> You know, and you can, you can hold those things in tension, how much you love your children and value this extra time you're getting with them. And also find that you have very little space to yourself and your temper is a little quicker to come to the surface, you know? So I, I really appreciate now that kind of juxtaposition of the different parts of life that you find in the songs.
1: Yeah. I think when I was younger, I had a harder time with the back and forth of the extremes that I saw in the Psalms. And I was, was like, I really like the nice comforting parts, but I don't really get the parts where, you know, there's so much extreme anger, there's so much sense of upheaval all of a sudden, and you just think what's going on there. But as you say, I think now that we're older and we've seen more of life, we can we can appreciate that that actually is the way life is sometimes and we need to figure out how to manage that and handle that and that's i guess part of what resilience is yeah,
0: and i think at the moment you know in many parts of the world many parts of the world you and i both care about it's a tough time i mean it's a tough time politically it's a tough time because of the way that the pandemic is kind of wreaking havoc on individual families and on communities it's hard there's a lot of things that are going on that are really hard at the moment and i think that there's something really valuable to me in that in the way that the psalms allow all of those things to be be present in the same space. And even when you think about some of the political fractures that we're experiencing in multiple societies around the world at the moment, it's possible to have diametrically opposed political views with people that we love and care about. <laughs> you know, it's possible for people to be full of goodness and also to have views that are different than ours. And I think sometimes we need to be reminded of that. And there was something about rereading the Psalms this week that kind of brought me back to that place. Not only can we hold intention the difficult and the good parts of life we can hold in tension the difficult and good parts in ourselves and in other people because we are multifaceted people and it is a multifaceted world and um, the tendency at the moment of bring everything to the black and the white or the polar opposite ends of the spectrum and you know i think it's important to, to be reminded it's rarely the case that's really true in life we're a people we're, we're a vast mix of all kinds of different things and we have to remind ourselves of that in ourselves and in other people
1: There are so many expressions of emotions in the Psalms, um, expressions of negative, difficult emotions, as well as joy and hope. What do you think is the benefit of noticing the, the more difficult emotions? What does that do for us when we're able to recognize that we're not always in a pleasant state of mind. Does even just noticing that and recognizing that help us, do you think to get back into a more resilient place? Maybe because we recognize that it's a normal human emotion that others have experienced this in the past. What do you think about that?
0: I think, you know, you've articulated that really beautifully in that, in many of our life experiences and certainly in, in some faith communities, people have found that either they're encouraged to sort of gloss over what's difficult mm. or they, they choose to try to you know push away the difficult things that are we're experiencing, you know, the adversity that, that sometimes life throws at us. And I think when we do that, we don't really have that opportunity to support ourselves and to come back into a place of resilience. Cause if you're pretending it isn't happening, it's very hard to deal mm-hmm. with it. And I think, you know, what you said about noticing is, is really powerful because it's very simple to do. So, you know, when we're talking about resilience or the resilient zone with, with uh, people, I often just encourage people, um, you know, to notice, are you in your zone? Are you out of your zone? And then to be able to support yourself if you're out. So, you know, if you're having a hard time, you know, if you're feeling very anxious, or you're feeling very stressed and you're taking it out on the people around you. That's just part of being human, but we can do something about that. Mm. And it's, it's very simple in some cases when you have some skills and tools towards resiliency, or, you know, what you need, you know, for some people, it's as simple as taking a few deep breaths. For some people, it's as simple as taking a walk or, you know, getting a little bit of headspace. But when you notice that you can actually support yourself to change your reaction to the circumstances. So if you're doing it by paying attention to what's happening in your body, we call that tracking within the community resiliency mm-hmm. model, but just paying attention to those signs your body's giving you, you know, is my heart racing? Is my face flushed? You know, do I, do I find that my shoulders are up around my ears? Cause I'm so stressed. And when we can just pay attention, when we can just know, notice, we go, ah, there's something going on here. And, um, I can do something very simple to change that. And I think that for me as a Christian, that's a really important part of my faith practice. So if I'm, you know, if I'm pretending things are, are fine, but the way that the difficult experiences in my life are affecting the people around me, because I'm not you know, I'm so busy pretending nothing's wrong that I'm living in my high zone or my low zone. That's not um, a great way to live. And it's not a great way to honor what God's given me in terms of an ability to be able to be in a place of, of greater resilience. So I think it's really important for us as Christians and as people of different faiths to be able to say, we can exist experiencing adversity and experiencing the joy of life. And we can hold those things in balance. We can hold those things in tension and we can support ourselves into a, a better place. For so many of us that grew up in communities of faith, there was sometimes that kind of either implicit or explicit suggestion that, you know, faith needed to be about joy and not about suffering. You know, so if we were experiencing difficult times, we could just kind of sweep those under the rug and be joyful and get on with it. But that's not the human experience and that's not how we work. And I think one of the really lovely things about the Psalms is that it calls us into that sense of adversity and joy being experienced at the same time so you know mid psalm we'll have that transition from joy and praise to recognizing the difficulty of life and then sometimes back to joy and praise and i think that's a wonderful template for us um, as people of faith to be able to hold those things in tension and to be able to recognize that things are both difficult and good and that we can experience that vast array of emotion um in the the world of trauma response um we're understanding that people all over the world are starting to recognize trauma or sometimes we call it toxic stress but those events in our lives that really impact us and that really can uh, be disruptive or move us off course for a time and so thankfully there's more understanding of of trauma but there's also now a new understanding or a growing understanding of resilience that we are we are impacted by things in our lives but that we're also built to be able to come back from those things. But I think it's only when we recognize the difficult experiences that we've had that we can give ourselves that space to come back from it. So I love that the Psalms encourage us as as people of faith to say, yeah, life is hard sometimes. And when we notice that and when we acknowledge that, it gives us that space and that ability to support ourselves or maybe get support from the people around us, but to, to do something that allows us to be able to um, come back from that. And if we're pretending it didn't happen, it's very hard to come back from it. So I think it's really important as people of faith that we, you know, sort of, I suppose, follow the lead of the Psalms and be able to say, yeah, you know, I am having a hard time and I need some support and, and I need to be able to get the, the resources and the help that I need to, to come back from it. And I think that's a, a really important part of who we are as, as spiritual creatures.
1: And then the other side to that that I think is important is while difficult experiences are a part of being human, resilience is also a part of being human. I was telling you about something that was happening with one of my kids and I was watching them go through a difficult experience. And just the idea of resilience was helpful to me. We are resilient and my children are resilient. They will get through difficult things that they encounter. Even just that idea in itself
0: is comforting. Absolutely. I think, you know, just the notion that we're resilient as people and that we're built for resilience, you know, that God has hardwired into our bodies, this this ability to come back from stressful experiences or difficult experiences, I think is really empowering. People who've, who've had particularly traumatic experiences often find that they feel they've lost a sense of agency or, you know, they feel that they've and disempowered by what's happened to them. And there's something really empowering and very simple about realizing that you have a certain amount of control over your body and over your responses and that you can kind of move yourself back into a place of balance and resilience. For many people that I've worked with, that's been very, very helpful. My work often over the last 20 years has been with people who've been involved with conflict or have been impacted by conflict. So much of that's been in the in the context of Northern Ireland, but in recent years that's been more global. So I've worked with people from different parts of the world, including Syria, who've been impacted by violent conflict. And there's something very empowering, I think, for people to realize I am resilient and I'm built for this and I can help myself um, come back from these really adverse experiences that no human should ever have and that's a real joy to see that something very simple doesn't change the fact that people have experienced something very difficult or traumatic but it gives them that bit of leverage in their own experience to be able to to move into a place of resilience after that. Mm -hmm.
1: psalms for the spirit produced by myself kieran young wimberley with music by celtic psalms on my website kieran you'll find links to what i'm up to and opportunities to connect till next time may our spirits find healing and hope in the days ahead
2: come spirit come rescue us we pray shield us and save us And come down to stay